Happy Tuesday and welcome back to the 127th minute of the Die Hard Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, 13 groups of podcasters have been bringing you through the 1988 Christmas uh, cheerful movie, John McTiernan's 1988 film, Die Hard. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of the Airport Minute, the Rocketeer Minute, the 007 Minute, and TVDads.com. And with a substantially shorter pedigree, I'm Hal Bryan of the Rocketeer Minute. And joining us uh, again, as he did yesterday, is uh, is our extraordinarily close and very real personal friend, Mr. <laughs> Billy Campbell. Billy, welcome back. Thanks so much for coming back again. Uh, my, just my absolute indifference to be here. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I'm I'm actually <laughs> tickled. Right. To be, I'm actually again. tickled to be here. You know what? I actually blushed just then because I thought it would go over. I thought you'd start laughing and that that it was just <laughs> crickets, and I started blood shot to my face because I thought, oh my god, they took it seriously. <laughs> we finally, we've finally gone too yeah. far. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, wow. There is a little bit, uh, at least on my end, uh, technically speaking, there's a little bit of an audio delay, and you've cut in and out a couple of times too. But, uh, but really, for dramatic effect, let's just assume that, yeah. uh, that we went for it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a cold open. So, but yeah. no, we, uh, uh, but we are here at the very, pretty much very, the very end of the movie, and I think we've got one more, one more moment of action. But, uh, but we're we're clearing every everybody's everybody's happy now. Uh, Sergeant Pal, he he shot the right guy and said the wrong the wrong kid and uh john saved holly yet again <laughs> and he didn't even have to rip a, a rolex off her wrist uh and uh and argyle finally shows up to save the day uh, just <laughs> just at the right time uh so they've got a uh, they've got the uh, proto uber ready ready to go and uh uh good old richard thornburg uh from action news gets a gets a good punch in the snout can I just say how much I uh, how much I just I love him in this and in pretty much everything, uh, William Atherton yeah as, he, as Thornburg, you know, oh. uh, Ghostbusters um, real genius though yeah has to be my my favorite uh, favorite of his you know I've been giving myself shock treatment up the voltage he's so <laughs> he's so laconic and just so quiet with his delivery and, uh, and this you know did you get that yeah. it's so spot on. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. they they really had two two perfect foils with both with him and with you know the mm. the inimitable Paul Gleason. I, I, you, yeah, that that whole that whole stereotype the the Frank Burns of the program. It, it just really <laughs> it, it, they they really know how to how to sell being dislikable. Oh, two of the two of the very best. Right. Got and, it. Uh, I, I guess you know in Hollywood, if you can work a niche out like that, you've got you're set for life. Because I mean, mm. every everybody needs a foil, and they. They played the foil so great in so in so many different films. Mm. Uh, now, uh, one thing, just shifting gears here. Uh, well, not not actually shifting gears. We're still talking about Die Hard, but uh, Billy, you were uh, having the possibility of being the big the, the big baddie in, uh, or at least one of the baddies in uh, the sequel to this particular film. Yeah, that's right. One of the baddies. Um, um, it was. It would have been uh, my first uh, film role. But my agents, as I recall, pulled me out. We were already sort of uh, doing first few days of uh, wardrobing and stuff like that. And uh, my agents pulled me out because it looked as if it would be a good uh, TV season for me, pilot season. 
but uh, then that proved to be wrong <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I so I missed out on on being in the film I was uh, really pretty disappointed at the at the time um uh and what happened my my roommate at the time uh my friend Pete uh from Canada who's been in LA um, uh, being a writer and director for many many years um he actually got his first job as a PA on the film wow and so That's he cool. he got to do the whole film and I got to hear about it vicariously which was a bit of a bit of a pain in my side but uh, no i'm uh, in retrospect close, in retrospect yeah. i'm i'm not uh, not unhappy about it at all because uh, who knows what would have happened uh, but then it ended up my first uh, my first film gig was uh, was the rocketeer so you can't uh, you can't really complain about that no, you sure can't. No. And Die Hard Two was uh, that came out in 1990, right? That was not just two years later, right? Yeah, just okay. a little, little bit under. And uh, mm. it was, uh, I think, it came out in May release. But I mean, again, set at Christmas time, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think w- William Sadler was the bad, the big baddie in that. That's one. right, William Sadler. And oh. then it was just the facts, man. Right. Just the facts. I think was from that. Wasn't it from that? Uh, when Bruce Willis says that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's uh, he's uh, yeah. He's on top when he's when he's setting fire to the, uh, <laughs> the flaming trail of uh, of uh, jet fuel going back up to the plane, which, which was one hundred percent accurate, wasn't it, Hal? I think. That's oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's not a single aviation related problem in that or any other movie, so it's all fine. <laughs> I just I just keep picturing the chunks of foam that were coming up out of the uh, out of the seat while Hal was watching this, gripping the uh, the, the chair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this was back in the days before people worried about this kind of stuff. So it, it's all all, mm. it's all good. Yeah. Oh, I worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> but but <laughs> so, I'm special. I so, think we've established yeah. that. Somebody had to. So. Yes. Um, I think, wasn't uh, Rennie Harlan the director? Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm an IBM, IMDB away. But, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I think it was Rennie Harlan. And, and you know, that yeah. was back in the day before they had, you know, they now they do all the... Um, scheduling and everything of course on on computer but that was back in the day when they had the big fold out what they called the boards which were the big fold out um plan of the movie uh, it would all be on a big it's a big sort of um 15 inches high by uh eight and a half inches wide trifold um thing you open it up and there's a what do you call like a triptych um yeah and there are uh, spaces along one edge of the top of the board where you slip down these cart these cardboard strips, and on the cardboard strips were markings for all the scenes of the movie. And this is how they used to do the scheduling, right? Yeah, and uh, so, I remember so that uh, distinctly. Yeah, you do it all for you know, one particular location, and then another, and then figure yeah, out yeah. where they land. And I remember that distinctly because Pete, my roommate, who was a PA on the film, he's such. He's so much an organizational freak and a a good worker that within two weeks of being on the movie, they were in pre-production, he came home one day and he had two enormous – he looked like Moses coming off the mountain. He had two (laughs) enormous uh, things in his hands. And I'm like, what? What's that? And he's like, it's the boards. And I'm like, wait a minute. The boards for the movie? Yeah. They, they they gave me them to take home to organize, and I'm like, 
You're wait, what? It's the Bibles of the movie. They gave them to Pete, a PA, to take wow. home to organize Jeez. over the weekend. I mean, that's and he's, yeah. He's and he's like fifth screen down in the in the end credits and. He's like, <laughs> I the mean, production design. Yeah, the, you know, the it's manager. it's a measure of two things. It's a measure of you know, first of all, the capability of my friend Pete, but it's a measure also of like how, you know, we we don't think of it as all that long ago, but but really, you know, it's a world ago in terms of uh, um, it, how different things are now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it's it's astonishing that it really when you you look at it just over the time i mean we we keep thinking that it's you know these things are like 20 years and then they're 30 years away it's like oh was it that long ago and stuff but it it's it's it mind-boggling how much stuff has changed since this movie oh, yeah. was made um, oh yeah yeah i mean i have a i or i had anyway still a call sheet from uh printed up from um from the rocketeer i ended up giving it to a navy seal who was, loves the movie down in san diego but um uh i uh, the i had i hadn't seen it in like 20 years and i dug it out of a drawer and i was just gobsmacked by the primitiveness of it uh yeah it it was like a mimeograph sheet it was it was really really pretty funny i wish i wish i really really wish that i had over all these years from the very beginning saved at least one call sheet from every production that I'd done, but uh, it's too late. Uh, too yeah. late now. Well, it's all it's all in emails now. So it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way that this business it keeps getting faster and smaller. Um, mm. I was I was on a uh, I was on a set of a, a film in uh, in L.A. Uh, about three years ago, and they were using red cameras, which are about the size of a. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're really tiny. They're like. Uh, it's a little a little box, and oh, yeah. the, len- the lenses all go onto it. And you know, I mean, I, I used to back we were all, you know back in the day, you'd go back and see these gigantic Panavision oh, yeah. cameras loaded yeah, yeah, with yeah. film. And this yeah. thing is it's about the size of a thermostat. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a lens on the front, and you know, it's and and there's just a bunch of cables going back to the uh, the video village yeah. thing. But I, you 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 know, you could you could I could shoot you know a. a Hollywood uh, level looking film with only as much equipment as I could fit on this desktop that I'm sitting at right now. In fact, yeah. the wardrobe, the wardrobe for the film would take up far much, far more room, even if it was uh, the film just had uh, three or four people in it. Yeah, no, in uh, in one of my other lives, I do a, uh, I do some work for uh, for sporting goods companies, and uh, I do large format like those big. The big screens that you see at uh, not at stadiums but at uh, at exhibition halls and things mm. like that. And I build large format uh, videos with mm. uh, you know 3D and all that jazz. And I do it on the computer that I'm doing this podcast on, uh, you know, in 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 a back room in my house. And mm. this mm. thing would usually you know do that 20 years ago. You would have needed ILM to do yeah. the kind of stuff that I can do with uh, a, you know a couple of Adobe products. Yeah. Uh, Did you and, see? A, there's a wonderful little. Um, indie, low-budget, extremely low-budget monster sort of alien movie a few years ago. I think it was called Monster. It posited there had been an alien invasion, and basically the area which is below the United States, Latin America, everywhere between uh, the southern border of the U.S. and, and um, uh, say, uh, the bottom part of Panama, was uh, a no-go zone. There, there were hatching huh. monsters and stuff. Right. It, it, do you remember this movie? 
I do. I, I think the title was. I was just maybe it wasn't monster. Recall the title. It was something very. It was something really simple. Yeah, uh, like but, that. And there was a sequel. Um, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I'm, well, I'm the guy had to. Here. You know, I mean, basically, it, it was. It, there were two people in the movie. You know, there, there was the lead actor and the lead actress, and he made the film with it was himself the lead actor the lead actress that he had a language liaison because they were shooting in mexico and he had an editor who was stayed in the motel back in the motel editing and and they had one person driving their vw bus six people made the entire film he edited the film did all the special effects i'm sorry he did all the special effects himself with off-the-shelf stuff on his macintosh laptop he made the entire film for something like $70,000 or something like that. And uh, and it it's phenomenal. It's a fantastic movie. It was uh, dug it up, and I'm remembering why it, it, it seems to stick out in my mind that much further. So it's Monsters. So monsters, you were basically yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, the director was Gareth Edwards. Yes, that's right. Went uh, on to do did, Godzilla. Uh, Rogue <clears throat> and did Godzilla, and then did Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Rogue yeah. One, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just recently. Yeah. And... I completely, uh, completely forgotten about that. You one. should see it again because it yeah. is just wonderful. And I, you know, I, I, I know that we're off this deep off the into the sticks <laughs> off the subject of Die Hard right now. But talking about mo- film production, they didn't. They never rented a location. And one of the funniest things he said was, we drove around in our VW van. We didn't really have a script. We knew what we wanted to Im- improvise. He found all local actors. He said the the thing we did was if we wanted to use a location, we got out and the person with the camera had a hard hat and a and a sort of a road worker vest on. <laughs> he said it's amazing what you can get away with when somebody's wearing a road worker's vest. It's just a reflective <laughs> vest. He said, but people automatically think you have you know that you're supposed to be there and they would wow. get out and just see a nice location they would get out and shoot there and and then run away and wow. uh yeah uh, anyway incredible. the the, the, the bowfinger strategy yeah, right uh, <laughs> did either of you guys ever see a film called escape from tomorrow no i uh, or i'm fascinated by the idea of it but i've never gotten around to watching it i feel I, like i've seen it it was uh, it was shot at Disneyland, or excuse me, Disney World. Oh yes, yes, I've seen the, I've seen the trailer to it. Yeah. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah. They they shot it like at, uh, the uh, the the um they, they were they were in like all the different rides and stuff like that. They were right. shooting inside of It's a Small World and things. Yeah, uh, I've seen the trailer. The trailer looked fantastic, but I haven't yeah. seen the the whole film. Uh, uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, I believe, was filmed in a similar way, or maybe the. Uh, the pitch movie for Sky Captain was done that way. They did, they did it all with uh, with Max with uh, standard uh, standard oh, right. uh, sh- off the shelf software mm. and uh, and nothing but green screens. The entire the entire film was just like with green screens and stuff. And they they managed to uh, talk uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and all, you know a bunch of other mm. actors into and Jude Law and just just get them to work in there for scale. Uh, that was the biggest the biggest bite of the movie, but the, the rest of it was all, just all done in a you know a little box. That is a that is a beautiful film. That is I I consider that one of the I, I tend to think of it a little bit more as an animated movie because 
yeah, it basically all is except for the live action pieces. Yeah. But uh, well, you give me giant robots and zeppelins <laughs> and 1930s New York, and you've got me. It's the Hal um, movie they call it. Yes, exactly. Angelina uh, Jolie, Gwyneth Paltrow, rounded out nicely. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, great film. But anyway, back back to 1988. We're mm. uh, we're watching them just kind of wrap it up. One of the things I'm always fascinated by in uh, in any film production is how much it takes to get the look that we're we're looking at on the screen just for a couple of seconds. I mean, just all the 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 extras milling around, uh, the papers being thrown in the air, uh, smoke machines, and uh, just getting it all just getting it all to run the right way. The, those uh, giant carbon arc lights, which one of the things that kind of surprised me is how close they were to those arc lights because those can really burn you if you're if you're within like about thirty feet of them. That's a that's a maybe it's a prop arc light, but uh, yeah, I was just going to ask: Do you think that's real, or do you think that's set up uh, to be that way? And it's something I've wondered about, Billy. Maybe you can you can answer this question, mm. or, or or Jim, you've got a lot more filmmaking experience than I do. But as we're uh, starting this minute, and you know, Al has fired his shots, and we're looking looking back at at uh, John and Holly. It's a there's a there's a strong, warm color palette. You know, as we've got. Presumably, there's it's suggesting fires and emergency lights and things like that, and everything mm. sort of has got a you know warm red orange cast to that. Are and this this is maybe a really simple question: Are we are we using any kind of colored lighting on screen to give it that overall cast? Is that happening in post production or or a combination? Well, almost certainly some of it's happening in in color timing afterward, but then the lights that you're actually seeing are actually there certainly some cinematographer had a hand in saying what kind of what they should be you know so so it's ha- i think it's happening both places is that right jim interesting yeah i mean you're, you're looking i mean this is this is the genius of uh of jan uh, Devant, who's uh the uh, the cinematographer for this movie and he's gosh he he's really one of the old timers he's been back since the 60s working on a uh, a bunch, you know, not just Die Hard, but uh, he he did. John uh, uh, Bond was uh, probably best known for all the different uh, Madonna movies. He worked on that. He did things like a Clan of the Cave Bear, oh. you know, and and seeing the uh, you know he, this ability to be a color. Not, I mean, it's the work of the cinematographer. And it's also the work of the colorist, as as Billy was pointing out, that you do it in post. You. Uh, uh, you work on on what kind of colors that you want to push out the the type of film they were using at the time. Kodak had a high speed film that could capture uh, really fine. It, it, this is actually a recent invention. The eighties, uh, the high speed uh, uh, Kodak films that were being used uh, really brought out uh, and of course and and Technicolor, which I, this is a Technicolor film, but uh, but that that push in the eighties to get a high speed uh, fine grain film. Uh, that you could change colors and things. A lot of times you had to leave it in the green uh, range because if mm. you pushed it to the red, everything would look like um, who's the Sunday in the Park with George. It would look like Surratt. It would look like it would look like just large <laughs> potato chip sized uh, dots all over the screen. Huh. You know, it's it's just this is this is probably the epitome of uh, analog film that we're looking at right there in the '90s before uh, before digital took over. Uh, but you know, again, it's the it's the people behind the cameras and the people. Uh, uh, this specifically the cinematographer that's that's designing every every color look and how you know sure. all the stuff in the background uh one of the things you got to remember with lighting it's um it's the inverse square law the further back a picture is the more light you know you need the square 
uh, of the light behind stuff. So if you want stuff in the background as brightly lit as stuff in the foreground, the stuff in the back has to be really bright. Yeah, right. ramped up. Yeah, hmm. and uh, it's. I mean, when you look at all the stuff that's going on in the in the first couple of seconds of the scene where you're seeing uh, the the Nakatomi Plaza in the background, that's got to be really bright because it is far in the back. Just to just to highlight, and and all they're using that for is just to outline the characters so that they they stand out from the from the background. But it's you know that's that's a science and an art in itself. That sure. uh, if you know, and the best part is not if you don't notice it, then uh, then they're doing a great job. Right. You know, on a uh, totally unrelated anything else note, I do have to uh, to mention. You know, yesterday we were talking about Al and his uh, his sidearm, and I had I had thought that that was uh, a slightly larger. Uh, gun than it was it's uh, it is a 38 special so you were right on it's a it's a smith and wesson model 15 so what i carried the 586 was basically the next size up to that that would shoot either 38 or 357 and the, the thing that i was uh i was actually always a little pleasantly surprised by in this scene is he draws his gun again in this minute when uh, argyle comes crashing through and he's he's ready and and I always think for a second, wait a minute, I think he's out. And then we, he didn't reload. But uh, in the previous minute, he shot five times. So he's got one round. He actually does have one round left. And that um, that's not something that Hollywood is famous for getting right. So <laughs> um, you, We're just talking about the, the uh, lighting and cinematography thing. If you go to the very last second of this particular minute, you'll see a, a, a very cinematic scene where uh, – John and Holly climb into the town car, and they're, oh, right. they're probably sitting with a a, a, a mini Fresnel uh, <laughs> pointed up at their faces. Right, sitting and, right on the floor of the car, and it's yeah, yeah, not at all comfortable or or romantic, but it sure looks pretty from out here, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> now, uh, Billy, have you had a, have you had to sit with a lighting? You know, like are you holding the light or the camera or any of that kind of stuff? Have you had to do that in, in films? You know, in super super low budget things of which I've done. Uh, a fair share, my fair share. Uh, I have had to do some of that stuff. I've boomed scenes for sound department. I've uh, moved equipment. I've held lights. Some every once in a while, you have to hold light or a bounce card. Did Did you bring any brownies for the craft service table? Or? <laughs> I've done that. Uh, every once in a while, you hold. Uh, you know, uh, even on uh, bigger movies, every once in a while, you can find yourself uh, holding a bounce card for. Um, for an actor um, you're in a scene with just because the, the person who would otherwise be holding it can't really fit in the space where you are. That, you know, you do a lot of, uh, of uh, clapperboard work for uh, those folks because uh, you're in a confined space. So over the years, yeah, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah well, all hands to the, uh, to the tiller, I guess. It's just one of those sure. things. I made that, a little movie you get, in, you get the, in product the Antarctic. Out. That's the important part. So. What's that say again? I said you get the product out. That's the important part. Everybody's everybody's that's kind of for sure. working on that that's kind for of sure. stuff. I did um, a little movie in the um, a little independent film in the Antarctic, believe it or not. And wow. um, uh, we were a very small film crew, only sixteen people, and we were all doing we were all doing everything in the movie, including the crew being in the film acting. So uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty interesting now well this, this has been a great a great wrap-up minute i mean it looks like a, a merry christmas for the uh <laughs> for the mcleans god god knows what it's going to be like uh the, the, the I, I guess everything's closed for christmas but they'll he'll they'll be finishing up the week uh probably down in police headquarters with with all this stuff uh it's been a really great movie I'm, it, this uh over 
in listening to all these, uh, I'm I'm also producing this show, so I get to hear everybody's uh, thoughts on on this uh, a little bit early. But uh, it's it's been great talking with everybody and having different views, different angles on uh, on this show. But uh, Billy, having you here was uh, was helpful from understanding the, the production side of this this whole thing. Well, you know, right now, uh, as we're speaking, uh, the second season of uh, of your show Cardinal is coming out. I'm assuming that mm-hmm. it's going to be on a it's 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 released worldwide, so it, it'll be showing up at a at a cable service or a online service. Should here. be on Hulu. Uh, the first season was on Hulu in the states, and and the second season should be. I haven't heard, but uh, it it ha- it did premiere uh, night before last on uh, CTV up in Canada. And uh, so it should be premiering, I would guess, simultaneously, but sometime soon, if not, on Hulu in the States. Check local listings, I guess, as they say. So yes. <laughs> that would be great. And uh, Hal, you're still working at uh, EA, right? You're still gainfully employed. At the time of this recording, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So still uh, quite happily ensconced in my airplane world and writing, uh, writing magazine stories and, and flying weird airplanes and that sort of stuff. <laughs> a boys, you're oh, the real it some more. Here, I'll give you a thousand dollars a day if you say that to me once a day for the rest of my life. <laughs> There's steady work. Wow. This is, that's ah, the best well, thing uh, I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, but if I just say it ten times today, <laughs> then I can record it and play it back. Feeling glum? Well, listen to this. Wow. Uh, Ten thousand smackers. <laughs> how how will be off to the tattoo parlor today? To have it uh, stitched on his uh, on his arm. Billy yeah. Campbell said, yeah. "Like I have room uh, for more but... Billy Campbell tattoos anywhere on my body." <laughs> Let's be real, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, I can't get that picture out of my head now. Oh, I can't get that picture <laughs> out of my you're head. Welcome, Merry Christmas. Oh, thank, you. thank you so much. Oh, wow. Well, uh, for folks, we will be we, even though the movie is almost over, we will be continuing through uh, for the rest of this week and part of next week. Uh, uh, Hal and I will be here uh, through, through through the week. Uh, Billy, it's been great having you on as a as a super special mm-hmm. guest. We will be uh, talking the very last minute of the of the dialogue part here tomorrow. So uh, join us here. By the way, uh, uh, Die Hard again. You can pick up uh, any Die Hard Minute uh, out there on the web on either iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your fine podcasts. You can also find us on uh, our big site, dieHardMinute.com. Go check that out. We've also got uh, uh, some ways that you can write back to us. You can find us on uh, Facebook. Go to uh, Die Hard with a Podcast Listener's Limo, where everybody's getting together to chat about these particular episodes. Now that we're winding up, there's a lot of traffic going on, so, ch- so check that out. Uh, if you would like to hear more discussions between me and Billy and Hal, you can find us on a very completed website called uh, Rocketeer Minute, where we talk about the uh, 1991 uh, Walt Disney feature, The Rocketeer. So go to rocketeerminute.com. Also look for that on iTunes and Google Play. If you are interested in the Movies by Minute movement, where everybody uh, pulls apart movies a minute at a time, go to moviesbyminutes.com. We have over 80 movies that you can uh, pick your way through and, and just fill up your idle hours uh, listening to all that please join us here Wednesday tomorrow as we wrap up the live action version of Die Hard so until next time yippee Kaye, you nice nice people yippee Kaye, boys it's been a it's been great to be back with you tell me you got that I got it I got it I hit your heart on channel 5 <laughs>